So for those of you who don't know Mark, I get the privilege of giving them a little intro. So Mark has been, um, many of you, Mark serves our youth really faithfully. He's out there teaching them every three weeks, opening up the word of God with them and just imparting them. And if you know any of the youth, you will see the work that God is doing in their lives. And it's people like Mark who are serving so faithfully along with his wife and many of the youth team are just giving themselves to pouring into our young people. So we're so excited to have Mark come and um, share from God's word today. Mark's pumped. (laughs) (laughs) he's got a wonderful passage to open up with us but I'm just going to pray for him as he comes and speaks to us so if you can extend your arm just to pray that the Holy Spirit be working for him Lord God I thank you for this man I thank you for Mark and what you've done in his life Lord thank you Lord that you have opened up his eyes to who you are and I pray Lord that as he expands on the scriptures today Lord it would be your Holy Spirit uh, speaking through him Lord I thank you for the time he's been able to prepare as he's prepared for opening up your word Lord um, I pray that you would minister to each and every one of us today, Lord, as you use Mark for your glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, morning, guys. Thank you for having me. As you said, I am Mark. This is my first time preaching. <laughs> you know, if you guys want to help me, you can. I have a problem where I speak fast sometimes. So if anybody, if I'm speaking fast, wants to say, you know, slow down or just give me a hand sign and just say, because <laughs> I have a tendency to just run away <laughs> with my words. But yes, today um, we're carrying on um, in Luke and we are not Luke here, but Luke in the Bible. <laughs> and we are talking about the story, the rich man and Lazarus. Um, some of you might know it. No, some of you will know it. Some of you might not. Um, I guess when I got asked to preach on this um, parable, it's, it's a difficult one because I guess we don't really like to talk about death. It's not really like a great topic to talk about, you know, because it's kind of like gloom. It could seem to be gloom. But the reality of life is we are faced with these things every single day. You know, um, I'm a barber for those who don't know. And like, even like two, three days ago, I'm in a barber shop and I've got a client who I'm speaking to who unfortunately, his brother was murdered like three weeks ago. You know, um, other people I know, you know, someone's passed away because of this and just different reasons. And it's like, we are faced with this every day, even though we don't want to talk about it. The reality of it is whether we talk about it or not, the outcome is still the same of what happens in life. And it's not like it's for a selected group of people. It's not like only a few people pass away. Eventually, we all pass away. So I think it makes sense that we talk about this topic, even though we don't really want to talk about it. (laughs) So they gave me this topic to start off. (laughs) And I really didn't want to. I was like, ah, look at it. (laughs) Can't we just talk about, you know, adultery? Can you say it's wrong? being honest. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read um, through the passage, which is Luke 16, verse 19, to the end of the chapter, which is behind me as well. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted um, sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died 
and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And beside all of that, also, beside all of this, between us and you there is a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So we have a story here. Jesus is, as always, every time he's talking, he has big crowds around him. His disciples are there. There's crowds of people just listening. The Pharisees are there. So you're setting the scene. He's talking. You know, previous, in the previous verses before this, you know, um, the Pharisees were kind of not happy with some of the things he was saying. To be honest, the Pharisees are never happy with any of the things Jesus... <laughs> they seem to never be happy with what he's saying because it seems to hit their hearts. Because ultimately, a lot of, not ultimately, but a lot of times with the things he was saying, he was trying to change the, the nature of what people thought. Like, you know, the, the kind of like weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, I saw that. I just thought... <laughs> Yes, um, yeah, the Pharisees, his disciples, and just random people who are just there to listen are standing around. And he comes and he says this parable about the rich man and Lazarus. Now, I'm going to break this down kind of into like three kind of sections. I think the first section is Jesus is describing the state that Lazarus and the rich man are living in. You know, the rich man is living in luxury, you know, best clothing, the best food. He probably has a big house. You know, he's just living a very luxurious lifestyle. On the other side, with Lazarus, who's actually laying outside of his house at his gate, there's this man here who has nothing. If he has any clothing, he probably, that would be the only clothing he has. He has no food. He has sores on him, which means he's either sick or he has some type of disease. He's not living well. He doesn't have a bath, a shower, or anything like that. He's not living well in any way. So, what happens to all of us? They both pass away. Lazarus ends up in Abraham's bosom, in heaven. The rich man ends up in hell, in torment. Now, at a glimpse, the first thing we could think is, okay, the rich go to, go to, sorry, the rich go to hell, the poor go to heaven. Sometimes I think people have this thing when they hear about money or when they hear um, chapters and passages like this to believe that, oh, wow, I've got money, so 
that must mean that I'm, I, I can't get into heaven. You know, it's, it's really kind of like an ideology that really needs to really be checked because the Bible doesn't preach this whatsoever. And there's plenty of like verses and chapters and things in the Bible to counteract this. You know, you can go to Proverbs 10.4 where it says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands make for wealth. You know, another proverb says, all work brings profit, all hands, by the way, all hand work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. There's plenty of things where even Jesus has spoken about, like as example, there's a, in Matthew, there's a parable when he talks about, I'm just going to break it right down, a man who comes and gives someone, he has three people there and he gives them more money. Let's like make it into this day and age. He gives one person 30 pounds, he gives another person 20, he gives another person 10, and basically tells them, Go out there and do something with it to bring back something for him. One person with the 30 pounds goes and triples it. The person with the 20 pounds doubles it. The person with the 10 pounds comes back and just gives back the 10 pounds and said, you know what, basically I left it just underneath my pillow because I just thought I would give you back what you gave me. The man is upset, takes the money off him and said, you know, you could have even left it in the bank and got basic interest on it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and my point is that, you know, the passage is not saying suddenly, you know, if you make money, you're going to hell. You know, it's not saying that at all. And on the flip side, it's not saying that, which some people believe in this day and age, in the past, that potentially the poor are the ones who go to hell and the rich are the ones who go to heaven because it's the idea that the rich are blessed. You know, even if we look in the Bible, there's a, um, in the, one of the Gospels, there's a time when there's a blind man. And he comes to Jesus to be healed. And the disciples asked him, who sinned for this man? Because he was blind from birth. They said, who sinned for this man to be blind? And Jesus is like, nobody sinned for this to happen. It was this happened to show the glory of God. So it's the idea where sometimes we can be put in the idea where it's like, oh, well, you know, since he's or she is poor or they're just sickly or it just seems like they're cursed, you know, they must be kind of like, God must not be over their lives. They must be destined for hell. Or if we listen to things like maybe the prosperity gospel, you might believe that everybody who isn't, you know, living, you know, luxurious is, you know, God hasn't blessed them. So I just think it's just good to kind of dispel those ideas and just put it to rest that, <laughs> you know, it's not to do with rich and poor while you're going to heaven. And to be fair, if it was to do with that, that means God is judging us based on our economic status. <laughs> you know, and if it was to do with being rich as example... Unfortunately, for everyone in this room, that means if it was the rich people went to hell, that means all of us would be going there because being in England, we're just in the top 5% in the world. You know, there's this thing called, um, there's a website called the Global Rich List. Like, you can go onto this, the Global Rich List is an interesting thing. Go onto it and just put in your salary for the year. It ranks you in the world for earners. It will tell you you're in the top 100,000, top 1 million, top 5 million, top 10 million. It'd just be interesting. Obviously, it doesn't take into account, you know, the cost of living and things like that. But it'd be interesting to see where do you rank in the world based on what you earn. (laughs) Next week, if you see me, tell me where you rank. (laughs) So, we move on. And... We're having the conversation now. The rich man and Abraham, they're having a conversation now. The rich man, which you would do, he's in torment. He's hot. He's saying, Abraham, I beg you, help me out. Like, send Lazarus. 
you know, to come and, you know, basically give me some water, cool, cool my tongue, like help me out, which we would do. You would beg for help. Abraham responds and tells him, do you know what? Like, you've lived your life, you know, you've made your decisions. Now, where we're at now is the result of what you chose to do. He, the funny other thing, which I find funny, is that he knows Lazarus' name. So when I read that, I was like, like, how does he know his name? It says that you knew who he was when he was outside your house. And who knows the story of the good Samaritan? Everyone should know it. I think we all got taught it like, in school and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I find this story interesting because, for me, it highlights one of the two that walked away. You know, the focus on a good Samaritan is the good Samaritan, the person who helped the, the person who was beaten up and robbed on the street. But who are the other two? Like, I kind of see, like, the rich man as one of the other two. Now we're looking into his life. He walked past that person and carried on living his life. It's not like um, this is like a scriptural thing, which is actually, that is, the story is about one of the other two. It's just the way I've just seen it. So he's begging him. Abraham says, you know, no. And he says, plus, listen, there's a chasm between the two of us. Like, that means nobody from here can go over there. Nobody from there can come over here. That means that even if I wanted to, even if someone else wanted to, there's nothing we can do. It's final. It's happened. You know, nothing is changing at this point. And it's at this point that the rich man accepts it. He accepts that, wow, I'm here. I'm in torture. This is a horrible place. But he accepts it that, but there's nothing that could be done. The time to make a change is over. And that part there for me is really like, it hits home. Because for us who are living, we have the chance to make a change. We, we are still in that place where we, 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 can still, we can still change. When it's over, that chance is no longer there. It's, it literally is final. And this is why I think it is important that we talk about these topics because... We can't wait until we pass away, because <laughs> as we see from the scriptures when they're talking about it, then it's too late. But the rich man at this point, I think, does something which I think is quite honorable. He accepts his fate. He accepts there's nothing he can do to get out of this place. But he says, do you know what? Okay, but do me a favor, please. Send Lazarus to my father's house, because I have five brothers. And I think that's honorable, because right now he's just accepted, you know, it's over for me. I'm in torture. But... Can you please, 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 please go and help my brothers out? And Abraham responds saying, but they have Moses and the prophets, meaning they have the scriptures. You're saying go and help them out. Like basically, Abraham's responding to say, we have already gone and witnessed to them. They have the scriptures. They have all the writings of Moses to the prophets. They have it all. And he's like, but wait, if you send Lazarus, If someone was to rise from the dead, then they would definitely repent. And at this point here, I think it's powerful because I feel like the rich man has finally got it. Because he says they would definitely repent. He's he's got it. He hasn't said anything else. He hasn't said they would definitely do this, you know, definitely give all their money away. They'll definitely, you know, you know, be pleasing in your eyes. They'll definitely do all these different things. He just says they would definitely repent. So the rich man has actually got it. But the sad reality is he's got it at the wrong time. 
but he's got it. So he's like, yes, send them there. They'll definitely repent. And Abraham responds, even if someone was to rise from the dead, they basically still would not repent if they haven't listened to the scriptures, if they haven't listened to the prophets, to Moses, even if somebody was to rise from the dead, they still wouldn't. And this, for me, hits home, and this is like personal for me. How many of us constantly find ourselves in a place where we are always looking for external messages from God? It's always, if you were to do this, if you were to do that, I would definitely stop doubting. If you just done this one thing, I would believe forever. I've done it. I've said it. And how many times has that thing come to pass? And for the next week, praise God. <laughs> you know, thank you, God. You're, you are wonderful. Maybe for the next month. And then a month later, you find yourself in a situation and then you're back to, God, if you just gave me a sign. <laughs> you know, and I've been in this place where also even when the way I live, it's almost sometimes I refuse to look in the Bible. Like, I refuse to get the answer from the Bible. It's almost like I'm being quite rude and arrogant towards God, where it's like, no, God, you need to speak to me directly about this. And it could be something that's clear-cut. Like, how many times have we been in situations where we are actually in, you could say, in sin? We know the answer. The Bible has told us what we should be doing. But we instead, we're kind of like, God, what should I do? And you're like, oh, God's just not speaking to me. <laughs> God's just not speaking to me. You know, like... If God was to tell me to stop doing this, I would stop doing this. And it's like, what Abraham is saying, he has told you. <laughs> he has. But we're always looking for these external methods to where, the way God should speak to us. When realistically, we should just be looking for God to speak to us full stop. Not dictating the way God speaks to us. It's just the truth. And I'm speaking from my... Um, personal experience like I've been in there like I remember one period of my life where I was praying I was praying I was praying about a situation I was in and I kept on praying about it being like God you know what give me an answer I even fasted about it I'm doing all these things right and the answer is right there like I'm fasting you know I'm you know so I'm really why am I fasting for I'm just depriving myself from food because <laughs> you know the answer was, was literally right there but I was like God like just give me an answer. I've, this situation was for about, you could say, maybe six months. <laughs> People are laughing. and it's, it's the truth. And it's like, God was in this situation. God was merciful towards me. And I came out of this situation. But the funny thing was, I looked back and I thought, the answer was already there. Why was I, why was I kind of like choosing to ignore what is written here? And these are the things which we do. We ignore. We ask for signs. I need a sign. I need a sign. I need a sign. Give me a sign. This is what the rich man is saying to Abraham. Like, send them a sign. And don't you find it, like, in reading this, the poor man, this is a parable as well. So this is a story that Jesus has made up to warn us as well. So this isn't a real story that actually took place. But the man in this passage, his name is Lazarus. Does anybody know Lazarus in John who Jesus raised from, raised from the dead. They're not the same person. Don't get it confused. They are not the same person. But I do find it quite interesting that after he has said this parable to the people, to the disciples, to the Pharisees, later on, a further date, later date, he rises, he raises from the dead someone named Lazarus. 
And how do the Pharisees then respond? They have their sign. <laughs> do they say, praise God, we repent? <laughs> they try and actually hide it. They're like, we've got to hide this. We can't let this get out. So even then, what, Mo, what Abraham is saying is, even if you get these signs, if you didn't believe the scriptures, you're not going to believe any of the signs and wonders that come anyway. So if we're in a position where we are saying, if we have a sign, if we have a wonder, we're going to believe. If we didn't believe his word, why would we believe the signs that came from there? And this is what happens. Jesus also raises from the dead. What happens then? Do they, do the Pharisees then repent? If they weren't going to believe in the beginning, Abraham is saying they're not going to believe whatever happens after then. So we find ourselves in this situation. We're here now. We are in the living. The rich man, the poor man, their fates have been decided. That's in the past. They, where they're at now is where they're at now. But we are here now. We are here where we can make that decision. And what does it look like? like what does it look like you know, to turn your life around? What does it look like? You know, how do you turn your life around? You know, is it all these steps we have to take to get to God? You know, do we have to do a bunch of prayers so that we can be you know, pleasing in God's eyes? Because I had this conversation with yesterday. I was in a barbershop and I was talking... It was yesterday or Friday. I was in a barbershop and I was talking about this sermon I was doing. Because I was like, yeah, talking about not wanting to do this sermon. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. And um, there was a guy sitting in a chair next to me. <laughs> and he was saying that, um, we were talking about heaven, we were talking about hell. And he was saying that, you know what, he just doesn't believe. Like, this whole Christian thing, like, the only thing he somewhat believes in the Bible, kind of. But he says, I just don't believe this forgiveness thing. I was like, why? He goes, I just can't believe that you can do all of this wrong and then just feel like you can just say sorry and then suddenly you're forgiven. What you can get into heaven now after all of the wrong you've done. And I said to him, like, just being honest, that makes logical sense to the idea of like, you do all this wrong and saying sorry suddenly, you know, wipes the slate. Like on a humanistic level, if someone has kind of like harmed you for the last 20 years and says, sorry, it's a hard thing to say, all of that's just wiped. You know, suddenly it means nothing. You know, I've forgotten all of that. So what he's saying, where he's speaking from makes so much sense to me. But I said, though, that, I understand that. But if there's no forgiveness, then personally for me, then I know I'm doomed. And the reason why I know I'm doomed, because just being in the barbershop, we have so many different conversations, so many different theories, ideologies, beliefs, and stuff like that. So, you know, the new age belief right now that's kind of floating around is this whole thing where it seems that a lot of people want to believe in God. They want to believe there's a God. But they don't want to live any particular way. Like it's like, I believe there's a God. I want to believe there's a God. But I just want to believe that whatever I do doesn't matter. And then we all go to a good place. And, and this is just kind of like the kind of ideology right now that's floating around. I don't, in the culture and the kind of like the environment which I'm in, it's kind of like, just do as you please. But, you know, we're all spiritual now, you know, everyone's spiritual. And I was just like to him, it's funny because in us acknowledging there's a God, God knows us, knows all our actions, knows all our thoughts, knows everything. For me, I just don't believe that I can face God on the basis of him saying to me, 
Are you almost righteous enough to come and stand by me, to live with me, to come and dwell in heaven based off what, the way I live, based off my thoughts, based off all the things which I have done, even if we put it on a scale to balance it up? I said to him, I don't believe, what do you call it, I'm winning. I'm not, I'm not coming out on top. I said, also, you've got to realize is we talk about some of the actions and things we do, but what about all the things, all, the, all, the, all, the, all our thoughts? I said, what? It's almost like, what, do you think God doesn't hear that? <laughs> and I said, even our heart towards the things we do, I said, if we do a scale system, I said, if we do a scale system, it means that there's an issue of our heart there because it means that I'm going to take still five pounds off Luke, but at a later date, I'm going to give 10 pounds to Tanika and I've balanced it out. I'm on top. Because this is what happens in a scale system. This is what you end up doing. If I do something wrong, let me do something good to cover it up. And I said, even that doesn't even sit well with me because... The heart behind it is just all wrong. You're happy to do wrong, but I'm just going to do more good. And do we think that God looks at that and says, yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> you know, you did 10 good things, you know, and you did five wrong things. Like I'm just saying, realistically, when we look at these type of things here, I said, does that make sense? And he, he kind of like, yeah, I kind of get it. So I said, my point is right now, if there's no forgiveness, we're all doomed then. There is no hope. <laughs> but I said, but knowing that there is forgiveness, knowing that we can repent, knowing that accepting the fact that there is a punishment for our sin, but Jesus has taken that punishment, <laughs> now it allows me to say, thank you, I can stand before you. <laughs> you know, I don't stand before God on the basis of I'm good enough or I've done anything which is good enough. I stand before God simply on the basis of you have given your son to be my sacrifice. And it literally is that simple. <laughs> now, there is a response <laughs> to living with Jesus, to having a relationship with Jesus. But I always tell people, do not ever get it twisted and ever believe that we work to get to Jesus. Because so often I hear people say, you know what, I want to give my life to God, but I'm just not ready because I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. You know, um, I'm, still, I'm addicted to this, so when I, you know, sort that out, then, you know, I'll give my life to God. And it's just kind of like, a, it's not what the gospel preaches. It's not work, then Jesus. <laughs> and also, it's the same, you've got to realize that when we come to God, God, Jesus is the one who does the heart surgery. He changes our lives around. We do not do it. Would we ever have like a major surgery? Imagine having, having to have a literal heart surgery and you went to the doctors and you said, do you know what? What I'm going to do first is I'm going to cut open my skin first. <laughs> I'm just going to make sure, fiddle with things around there first and just get everything a little bit sorted. Then I'll let you take over from there. <laughs> and we laugh. But this is what, what, what we say when we say, do you know what? I'm going to do a little bit first and then let God take over from there. <laughs> and it's like I tell people it's not that at all. Literally, come as you are and let God transform your life <laughs> there are so many of us which are stuck in places because we have done it the opposite way and I testify to being that person when I first was be- becoming a, um, a Christian I remember thinking you know it's kind of like sorting out my life kind of like you know having to put things in the right departments then clear up things and stuff like that and it took me a very long time to even un- it took me years and years of being a Christian to even understand that I had I remember almost praying saying God do you know what? I can't do it no more. I'm tired. I let go. 
just, I just let go because this isn't working out. Like I just realized that I had been trying to do it the whole time in my own strength. It was all based on me. It was all based on me and I didn't even realize it. And I just one day just got sick and tired and said, God, I let go. It's too much. Like, please, you take over because I can't do this. And it's only kind of that point realizing what the gospel was about. I tried in my own strength. <laughs> I tried to change myself. I tried to do the surgery on myself. I bled out. <laughs> and what I'd like to, for you guys to understand, some of you do, some of you don't, you might not, is whatever your problems are, no matter whatever it is, whether it's some type of addiction, whether it's some type of, what do you call it, illness, whether it's low self-esteem, whatever it is, come to God as you are and allow God to do the changing. Do not do it yourself. Do not try and do it yourself. Let go. There's this, you know, I think a lot of Americans love saying this, let go and let God. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a true statement, let go and let God. I've got a story which I want to end for you guys. And this is, I'll tell you afterwards, a little story. There was a man with his wife, they were going out with, um, on, to a theatre trip. Date night, theatre trip. This is the days before um, internet and stuff like that. So they use the A to Z to show, to see where they're going to. Everybody here, do you know what A to Z is? <laughs> Some people might not know what A to Z is. It's, a, it's, it's basically Google Maps, but it's in a book form. <laughs> you know, it's what people used to do before they had the phones and sat-navs to find a direction to go places. <laughs> so... They've mapped out their journey before they've left. You know, we go up this road, we turn left, this and that, blah, blah. We come to this sign, then we take a left there. We, yeah, they've mapped it all out. So it's a journey which takes about half an hour. So about 20 minutes into the journey, the man's wife starts feeling that I think he's lost his way. <laughs> and she says, I'm sure we were supposed to, like, turn left at this street or go straight there. And he does. And this is kind of, like, typical, to be honest. I'll speak on behalf of men. <laughs> Sometimes we don't like to be given directions. <laughs> so when his wife is telling him, I think we've kind of like gone off a little bit, he's kind of like, no, 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 it's sorted, I'm fine, I know where we're going. So she sits back and accepts it. Five minutes later, she goes, should we just stop and look at the A to Z? <laughs> he says, no, 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 it's fine, I know what, we're going down this road, and cool, when we keep going down this road, I'll see a sign and we'll turn, I know where we're going. 20 minutes later, remember this journey is supposed to be a half an hour journey. It's now about 45 minutes, 50 minutes into the journey. She says, I really think that we should just stop. I think we're actually lost. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep driving. I know where we're going. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for a sign to turn left. And when we turn left, then we'll be back on, we'll be on track. So he keeps going and he ends up in a dead end. They're about an hour into the journey now. And he ends up in a dead end. <laughs> and he stops and he's like, looks, he stops, looks in the A to Z. Finally, looks into the A to Z, and no, his wife looks into the A to Z, and he says, the problem was, there was supposed to be a sign to tell me to turn left somewhere. I didn't see that, that sign wasn't there. So he starts blaming the, the sign not being there. Not looking at himself, saying, his wife the whole time was saying, let's just stop and look in the A to Z. But he kept on saying, no, 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 no. I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going. And this is, for me, a reflection of our lives. We have God's word here. So often, we refuse to go back to it. I'm looking for a sign. And when we go off track, and when it all goes wrong, we blame the fact that we didn't get that, see that sign. I am guilty of this. So often, for those 
especially of believers, we can find ourselves in situations where we keep going off track. Remember to come back to God's word. Or we'll find ourselves in that dead end, making up excuses. So often our pride, our egos won't let us come back. Come back to God's word. There is hope for all of us. We are in the living. We cannot speak of those who are dead. We cannot speak for them. Their fate is final. But we can make our decision. We are in the place where we can make the decision to give our lives to God. Give our lives to Jesus. Let him be the sacrifice. Let him change our lives, change our hearts. As I said, it was a topic which I was like, don't really want to talk about it because it's kind of gloom. But at the same time, for us who believe, there's actually joy. We are like the poor man. We are Lazarus. For us who believe, we are Lazarus. And it's funny, not funny, but I think it's interesting also that in the passage, they never mention anything that Lazarus did. And I think that's important because it wasn't like, you know, Lazarus was a good man. Lazarus done this. Lazarus done that. They don't mention anything like that. Lazarus would have only repented. That would have been it. And we see at the end when the rich man says, if you send someone from the dead, they will repent. Today, we have the choice. We can repent. We can see glory. We don't have to face hell. Thank you, guys.